Shout out my key to J And you are now listening to Fire This Time Episode 23 We back at it All the way on January 24th, uh, 2021 And, uh, you know, we're happy to be here So I keep going to work with the people Make sure we come in righteous Well, you know, um, as always Welcome back We glad to see you in See you in mind But have your presence in ear So, you know, we're going to try to keep the fire going for you today And keep things flaming uh, Today we're going to talk about a lot of different subjects And not a lot of different subjects, but a couple of different subjects. Uh, it's also a day of honor for, you know, someone special. So, um, you know, we hope y'all enjoy. Always remember, like, share, um, check us out, Facebook. Um, we still got Instagram? Oh, yeah. We on Instagram, Fire This Time yeah. Pod. Instagram. Um, and Twitter. We there. Mm-hmm. Fire This Time. And, uh... And me and Aki also been talking. Uh, one thing we gonna, you know, come with February uh, 2021 next month, more visuals. So uh, you know, right after we record today, we're gonna be, uh, you know, looking, trying to get, uh, you know, ready, get the resources right, mm-hmm. and, and get that endeavor going. So you'll be seeing our faces here soon. You know what I'm saying? Bringing that element most definitely to the uh, definitely. to the flavor as well. We trying to upgrade. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different things. Yeah, and the people calling for it, not just us. Okay, not just no vanity. So, um, yeah, real quick, a um, few of the topics we'll be talking about today is, of course, uh, some of Kamala and Biden's initial plans, actions, yeah. and also just maybe give like a, maybe some predictions or expectations that we have going into this new uh, presidency. You know, uh, pay you know some time. And we're also going to be talking about uh, what else is on our list, Aki? We got a uh, Brianna Taylor. Uh, yeah, the update. Is, yeah, we got a little update on the Brianna Taylor situation. You know, um, the uh, the folks seem to, uh, you know, they want to the grand jury. You know, they want to, uh, they want to, uh, you know, they file a petition to get rid of your your, your attorney general. You yeah, know? Daniel Cameron. Uh, three of the grand jury members is uh, coming out with a lot of allegations related to uh, how he handled Brianna Taylor's. Uh, investigation what was presented to them and also his actions surrounding uh the january 6th events at the uh capitol building and he a brother yeah so uh we're gonna get into all that but uh yeah to start things off aki uh, talked about a little bit uh earlier we're gonna talk about martin delaney we're gonna honor his life yes sir uh so martin delaney the father of black nationalism uh was born january uh, i'm sorry he was born on May, uh, it was May the 6th, 1812, and actually passed on uh, to, uh, uh, many years ago on today, January 24th, uh, 1885. He was born a free man. That's special right there at that time. Born a free man in Virginia, you know, born to two parents. Um, both his grandparents were straight out of Africa, you know, and he knew it. They, you know, he was proud of that. Um, uh, to be more specific on that, you know what I'm saying? He had people that came out of the Gola um, in Liberia. And then he also had people that came out of the Mandingo on his mother's side. Um, his father, ironically, his name was Shango. Or his grandfather's name was Shango. That's some G shit right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Your daddy named after you know, Risha. But um, so yeah, real, real quick on his grandfather, and I also before we proceed, we got to give a shout out to um, we watched a, a short documentary on Delaney's life, uh, helped us out a lot with the information we'll be providing today. It's uh, Unique Coloring, plug yeah, search that up on uh, YouTube. Unique Coloring. They also uh, so what it is they give a, a documentary over different African American uh, figures' uh, lives, you know, from our history, and uh. While the narrator, or while at least on the screen, uh, 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 coloring page is being drawn, mm. and then you can go on the website and get those coloring pages, and uh, you know facilitate you know some learning and some coloring. You know what I'm saying? That's but high. the uh, you know the the history there, the analysis there is very sharp, you know, and in depth. So it's really for uh, many age ranges. It really is. So uh, yeah. With that being said, yeah, uh, Sean Go. Uh, our uh, Mardelani's grandfather uh, got his freedom. Uh, Escaped to Canada. No, uh, I thought that 
uh, he Shango's the one that actually went back to Africa. It's a rumor that he might have went back to Africa. No, I thought I thought it was Samuel, his his father's his father's his father's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On his, his grandfather on his father's side. Both of them was Jays. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Shango uh, escaped, but uh, uh, Patty, Shango's wife, stayed back. Uh, now, Patty and um, uh, Patty's child, uh, who was uh, Patty's? What, what was Patty's? Uh, Child's name was Gracie. Yeah, Gracie. And that was uh, Martin Delaney's mother. No, Gracie oh. was Martin Delaney's grandmama. Got you. Okay. Patty was Martin Delaney's mom. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get it right. We're going to get it right. We learned so, some new stuff in this, y'all. So we was learning in this right here. Mm-hmm. So uh, d- just to keep it moving, um, you know, d- d- uh, during Patty's lifetime, you know, while trying to defend her family, you know, this is a woman who's teaching Delaney and uh, he has siblings, right? Yeah. So D- Delaney and his siblings how to read and write. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, where they're at uh, in Virginia was illegal. I- illegal. So I mean, she's she's getting summoned to court. You know, uh, and uh, eventually has to flee to Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, and uh, Pennsylvania is also a place where Martin Delaney, you know, really lays his roots. So, um, you know, growing up, um, you know, he eventually, Martin Delaney eventually finds his way to Pittsburgh. And that's really the city where, I mean, once he came upon it uh, in his, uh, biog- his biography that came out back in the day. He talks about how, uh, you know, this is the city where I'm going to lay my roots and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. really make a name, not only for myself, but, you know, do the work for my people that, you know, he was setting out to do. So, uh, and I think, too, Pittsburgh is sort of where he got his first, he started getting politicized, you know. Um, he started, he became a student of a man by the name of Lewis Wilson. I didn't know who that was. I had to look him up. He was on some G shit. I, I need to look him, we need to do one on him one of these days. But um, he became a tutor in him. This man right here was a black separatist, you know. And this is like in what, eight, eight, 1831. Um, built himself up there, got affiliated with the AME church for a little while. Um, actually became a minister in the AME church eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, started to attend uh, Jefferson College. Took classes in Latin and the classics, so he wasn't dumb. This man knew some stuff. We wasn't never dumb. They tried to make it seem like that, but we wasn't never dumb. You know how people is. Um, he also, a fascinating, he worked in 1833 with the cholera outbreak. Mm-hmm. So a cholera outbreak broke out in Pittsburgh, and with abolitionist doctors, uh, he learned some, uh, you know, furthered his uh, skill in the medical trade. And also, you know, help to help this community. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So that was, that was big right there. They say this is where too. You know what I'm saying. This is where his abolitionist activities sort of began too. Mm, so yes, yeah, the AME Church getting the, that politicization, but then you know, uh, of course, the political activities also ramp up. Meeting these abolitionist doctors, getting involved in the abolitionist movement in Pittsburgh in the in the 30s, right there. So you know, he's involved in stuff like the Philanthropic Society, which is a cover for the uh, Underground Railroad activities yeah. in uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, he also, um, uh, you know, his activities at the time are, are written about in a, in a popular uh, newspaper called the Colored American, where you know ran notices that talked about Delaney's activities. You know, uh, you know, and, uh, his political activities and uh, his medical medical practices. So he was known in the streets. Yes, yeah, I mean, this is the. Hey, mid early 1800s. And it means they Since, put in you know, that work. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So um, uh, one of the big things. I mean, just I, I guess the uh, skip ahead just a little bit. You know, uh, of course he gets married in in the 40s. Uh, he also begins you know publishing his own newspaper, The Mystery, in the 40s. Yes. Uh, but you know also let, let's get the uh, 1847. So we uh, we know Martin Delaney is this established person in Pittsburgh. Now, uh, in 1847, Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison come to Pittsburgh. Looks up, up with them. Delaney joins forces with them, and they launch the North Star. You know what I'm saying? They get the subscriptions to the paper all over the country. So that I think at the time it was the biggest black paper at the time, mm-hmm. circulating around. You know, um, Douglass and Delaney they co-edited the paper together. Um, but, you know, they they both helped finance it, but they also bumped heads on certain things. Um, you know, Delaney was a, a staunch nationalist and 
sometimes Douglas wavered in between in and out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 1852, you know what I'm saying? He went to Harvard, but he was out, he wasn't able to finish in Harvard. They um, pretty much blackballed him in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wasn't able to graduate. If he would have been able to graduate, he would have been the first black doctor from Harvard at the time. Um, published treaties on black immigration. And this is where he really started to talk about um, immigrating back to Africa. Mm-hmm. He started talking about um, why he started making the argument or at least presenting the question of, you know, why we should return and what's in it for us there versus what's in it for us here. Mm-hmm. Um he also helped find African Civilization Society that studied uh, classic African societies. And then um, and then this time he's living in Canada. Doing all that in Canada. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, this is a brother that's traveling, you know what I'm saying? And so laying roots in Canada. And then, you know, I, one, one of the most compelling parts about the story for me is when the Civil War breaks out in the U.S., he returns. He returns because of that brotherhood, that kinship that he felt, you know what I'm saying? With, uh, you know, the folk that he came from, of course. So uh, he returns and he gets active in Massachusetts. And uh, he gets involved in recruiting uh, uh, black soldiers to fight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can get into or maybe for a different show, maybe get into the nuances of, uh, I, I guess, black participation. Yeah. In, in, in that war effort. And uh, all the, uh, you know, different parts about that. But, uh, of course, you know, we know that there was many righteous aspects of it for, you know, black men, yeah. black families to engage in that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and actually moved his family. Uh, Delaney moved his family to Ohio at this time. And also his own son yep. recruited into the uh, Massachusetts 45th Regiment of black soldiers, you know, to mm-hmm. fight uh, on behalf of, uh, you know, not just this country, but on, on on behalf of the effort to defeat slavery. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Defeat the slave uh, South. He returned because he seen it was finally a point, I think, you know what I'm saying, in the United States where there was some, it was a shift in that. Mm-hmm. Not to say still wasn't things to be dealt with, but, you know, a lot of, I think, civ- uh, people who fought in the Civil War for the Union, mm-hmm. that's how they looked at it. When you read some of their writings, they looked at it like, well, shoot, this is the first time they ever was willing to wage a war for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think there was an agreement there, an understanding there that you know black people participate in this and their freedom yeah. would equal the type of fr- how freedom was understood at that time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, which meant land, self determination. Exactly. You and know what I'm saying? Fact, like, I mean, it, it, that they had to change what freedom meant when it came to African Americans after slavery. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, and, and that that's what Martin Delaney got into when he was dealing with the Freedmen's Bureau after the Civil War. Yeah. You know, he was he was telling the Freedmen's Bureau these people deserve land. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing that complicates, you know, some of what, uh, you know, maybe the not I, I won't say overemphasis, but just the narrow lens on Delaney only saying he was an immigrationist. Yeah. When, you know, he's pushing the Freedmen's Bureau to give African-Americans land within this country, within the borders. And of the he US. wasn't pushing them to do nothing that they didn't promise. Right, and, because that, and as some people in radical Republicans, for instance, were pushing for. Yeah. Well, th- that you know, everybody here, the land that was promised to forty acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. If you look at the area where that was promised to, and the the the, the area that that general controlled, mm-hmm. that was right around. That was on the South Carolina coast, mm-hmm. South Carolina Georgia coast. That includes Charleston, mm-hmm. you know, and the islands on on those little islands off of there and stuff like that. So you know, he just tried to he called them to task to do what they need to do. You know, and I didn't even know he was pushing it for him to land over here. So, you know, I learned something new. Mm-hmm. And I'm always talking about Martin Delaney. I, I need to do a little more research on that. Yeah, so uh, definitely Pan-Africanist, Black, black nationalist, nationalist. Uh, you know, and uh, definitely a figure that we all need to look more into, you know. We should definitely, you know, get that Martin Delaney movie. We, we need that ministry series, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? We need all that. Yeah. So, sure. uh, you know, hopefully eventually that, that come to end up being... So, uh, any any last words on Martin Delaney, brother? Uh, I think we pretty much have said everything we can say about him. Um, you know, um, he laid the foundations, you know what I'm saying, for the black nationalism that we know here in the United States. At least I would say it's with some other people around, because I just found out about Lewis Woods in the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if he taught Delaney, then he was getting it in long before Delaney was. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's I mean, one of 
Yeah, go ahead. You know what I'm saying? He's just one of the, you know, he's definitely considered to be the granddaddy of black nationalists. And I really like the aspect of the history, or, or, or I see the, the usefulness of this, uh, of this history to really help people understand how black nationalism is suppressed within U.S. history. Mm. I mean, just look at the relationship between him and Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Everybody knows Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass is put high on the pedestal yeah. in American history. Frederick Douglass came to Pittsburgh seeing when this you know, self-made in a lot of ways. Black man Martin Delaney, mm-hmm. self-thinking black man Martin Delaney. Not saying Douglas was not that, yeah. But Delaney was, you know, a, a, his own brand of that at that time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they started the North Star, most influential yeah. anti-slavery black uh, 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 rights paper at the time. They co-edited it, mm-hmm. struggled together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that don't, you know, teach you that this. A person is deserving of so much more of our attention. You know, I don't know, you know, what else would point, you know, it out to somebody. Well, I say this. It's a quote that Douglas talks about Delaney. Hmm. And he said that, you know, I would be happy. You know, most men are happy. And I would be happy to die as a man. Mm-hmm. He said, but Martin Delaney died as a black man. Mm. As a Negro man. Mm. A proud Negro man. He went that he. That's how he was in life. And that's how he went. That's how you gotta go. Mm-hmm. You know. And no, that's a said quote. Cause now I'm finding out that the autobiography was written by somebody else. I got a lot of work to do, Haki. Mm. Me and you both. You know, I'm Patty Grace. You know, I, I was fucking up too. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I just learned some new shit. I mean, like you know, I didn't know that it was somebody that he actually altered his biography too. As much as I. Yeah. Mother, I got work to do, y'all. You gotta forgive me on that. So just, see, in my- j- just imagine the history and everything that could go into that. I mean, we, we, I mean, I guess closer to our moment, we know about Malcolm X and his mm-hmm. autobiography. Yeah. That of course was, you know, uh, helped by Alex Haley. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, Alex Haley's role in that definitely makes this much more it's a much more complicated document than yeah. it's an autobiography yeah. especially considering it was published after Malcolm X's death yeah. certain chapters being left out certain chapters going into auction just within the past few years of Malcolm yeah. X's autobiography you know and that's a whole different you know episode you know that uh, I'm sure if the fans if y'all want to hear us you know get into Malcolm X and everything mm-hmm. surrounding his biography autobiography his history and the coverage of his life there's so much there you know yeah. To talk about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not, even, not even talking about his life specifically, mm-hmm. but just the coverage of his life. Yeah. So, um, I, and this is, you know, just me saying, I also have not done any of that work with yeah. Martin Delaney and mm-hmm. kind of investigating his life, especially considering, you know, the stature he really got next to a Douglas, even though, you know, so much of us have uh, been so ignorant to it. It's like one of those things of, it's like you, you hear about one person, but then you find out later on who his contemporary was at the time mm-hmm. and you'd be like well why we ain't nothing about him mm-hmm. you know um, we've, we've been fortunate enough to be able to keep Malcolm's name alive mm-hmm. but there's so many other ones that was around the time Malcolm that still don't know about that we you know people still don't find out about now mm-hmm. um, even influences of Malcolm you know um, just like I found out an influence of Delaney that I didn't know who who's, who who helped put him on to it. Mm-hmm. So it's always you don't get this inf- you don't get this consciousness and awareness unless you get it through the words and mouth of uh, a human. And I really hope you know a lot of listeners uh, you know tuning in right now. You know I know growing up I didn't know nothing about no Martin Delaney. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't taught. That's that that's not taught in the schools. You had to take an African American history course. Some course in African American history in a college, or put yourself on on YouTube, or be put on by a friend. You know what I'm saying? That's that's into that, and you tuned yeah. in and, and willing to, to to take it from somebody. You know what I'm saying? It, it's rare that you're gonna learn about some of these figures. So mm-hmm. you know, if you listen, you find the story interesting. Make make sure you know you like uh you know you sharing it. You know what I'm saying? Making sure other people tuning in. Mm-hmm. Not, not just this story, but also like we like we mentioned the unique coloring. Yeah. Uh, doc that we'll, we'll drop it a, a link to it. In uh, in the notes in, in the uh, description, so yeah, you know, make sure you check out all that stuff. You know, support keep, the education keep, and art. 
You know? Yeah, do your work. You know what I'm saying? You know, Black Panthers used to put people on the corner, make them sell them, you know, mm. newsletters. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Bring that money back. You know what I'm saying? Now it's as easy as sharing some on your phone. There you, you go. Know I'm saying? You can share some knowledge. So, you know, do your work today, people. That's what's up. Put your work in. So, uh, with that, we'll take a little break. Be back with the next segments on, uh, you know, the Breonna Taylor uh, update, you know, and also uh, uh, what Biden and Kamala up to. Yeah. Mamala. <laughs> they call her. Call her Mamala. Yeah, Chucks and the Pearls. <laughs> peace. All right, peace. Welcome back. We back at it again. Oh, yeah? Okay, we back at it again. Yes, sir. We back from the break, y'all. Uh, here to give y'all some more fire. And uh, once again, just reminding y'all, share, like, support, leave a review if you haven't. And uh, yeah, make sure you support. And we got new content coming uh, all year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And ma'am. We're going to talk a little bit about the Breonna Taylor situation. Yes, yes, um, yes. No little update on it. You know, know, some of the latest news. you know, Breonna Taylor Grand Jurors filed petition to impeach the Attorney General, Daniel Cameron. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of allegations being thrown around out here. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a little bit from this article. This is from Kentucky Politics. Title of it, Breonna Taylor Grand Jurors filed petition to impeach Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Three grand jurors from the Breonna Taylor case have filed an impeachment petition against Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, alleging he misled the public about the case and misrepresented the grand jury's actions. They also argue he misused public funds to join a multi-state lawsuit against Pennsylvania's election results and supported unlawful actions as a member of the National Association of Attorneys General's Executive Committee, which funded robocalls urging people to march to the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, which we refer to as the Ku Klux Klan (laughs) Uh, in the previous episode. So, yeah, um, the grand jurors have remained anonymous, though the petition was filed by uh, Louisville attorney Kevin uh, Glogauer on their behalf. So, uh, yeah. You just want to react, Aki? Um, well, first of all, I just heard because this was a brother. Hmm. It's a brother, you know, but uh, that lets you know. You know, you can't trust those folks who always look like you. And it's crazy that, you know, you it's, they, they use tools in all positions and things of that such nature, you know. Caught up in two things, but you sent people to the... You, Y'all funded robocalls to send people. Yeah, bro, you got some shit coming your way, man. It's not going to be good for him out here, Aki. It's not going to be good for him out here. So the article continues. I'm gonna, let me continue a little bit. I, I scroll down a little bit. So um, it says the petition goes on to say that Cameron misled the public during his hour-long press conference on September the 23rd. When he announced the grand jury had produced a wanton endangerment indictment against former Louisville pol- uh, police detective Bray, uh, Brett Hankinson for firing his gun in the neighboring apartments during the federal raid on Taylor's home. Uh, the grand jurors alleged that Cameron made blatantly false statements about what his what charges his office presented to the grand jury, including the attorney general's claim that pr- prosecutors, quote, Walk them through every homicide offense, and then the grand jury the grand jury was ultimately the one that made the decision about indicting end quote and Cameron's office did not respond for comment. You know what bro it's shyness all over the table, and it's like yo, you know it's like you know that lets us know that the fight ain't never really over. Because it's like we always find out about the dirt afterwards, even though we may have felt it while it was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and to see, you know, people doing this shit really just to say they face, mm-hmm. you know, to say they public images, 
The state don't want to have that public image. I mean, image. The city don't want to have that public image. The police department don't want to have that public image. But that's the image you get when you look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. A shiesty motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not surprising. It's just messed up. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I am glad that they're trying to get his ass out of there. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. And I hope it, you know, uh, pulls through. It all depends on how much publicity they put on it and how much heat he catch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If they can make that happen. Yeah, hopefully, you know. Ain't no quarter for these coons, man. Not in 2021, you know. Get him out of there. You know, put the flame to him. You I know mean, what I'm saying? As far as, you know, expose what he's about, you know. So that's what we're trying to do here. And they, it really do show you that uh, it take more than just black faces in these high spaces, in these white spaces, you know. For sure. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know, Cornel West actually had a, uh, an essay, you know, published years ago. I think he was talking about Obama when Obama first had his rise. And it was called the, uh, Against the Pitfalls of Racial Reasoning. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of talking about, you know, it, it goes beyond race. And we've been knowing that with Daniel Cameron, really. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he did the first time he didn't play some dish, uh, suspect shit. Exactly. So, uh, you know, just another example. Uh, so, you know, Daniel Cameron, fuck you, you know. <laughs> much love to uh, Breonna Taylor's family once again, you know, and love and memory, you know, of everything going on. Second that. For sure, for sure. So let's keep it moving, Aki. You know what I'm saying? We ain't got to, you know, uh, you know, stay too long on that. We'll let's talk uh, about Biden and Kamala. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Biden and Kamala. So uh, go on and uh, run us through... Some of what they've been doing, you know. Do you, hold, hold on, first, I got a question, Aki. Did you watch the inauguration? Hell no. Okay, so we can just move past that. I don't I watch any of that. I ain't looking none of that. That pageantry ain't for me. Yeah, it ain't for me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it wasn't the image I wanted to see up there. You know, I guess, you know, people got, they was cool with that image they seen up there. I just wasn't with me. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, I know that there was a black woman on there, Gorman, who did the poem. And I did read through the transcript of the poem. And it was really on some assimilationist, you know, shit, you know, really, you know, talking about, uh, you know, really America being great and, you know, returning America to its glory and, you know, black people leading the way. You know what I'm saying? It, it was really that, uh, you know, buying into that, uh, you know, not just American exceptionalism, but black American exceptionalism. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and. And working, uh, trying, trying to, you know, hmm. incorrectly, and, and you know, and it's really impossible to do so. But you know, I, I guess it's a good, you know, pipe dream to have. You know, work this, work Black history, work our tradition, work our people into American history in a way that fits comfortably, and that you know leads towards freedom. Yeah, that's what her poem was about. Gorman's poem, hmm. uh, the one that everybody was praising, and of course they was praising it. It challenged nobody. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but, how old you know, was the girl? I think early twenties. I want to say. Oh, okay. uh, you know, let me look that up real quick. Let me say, girl. I'm thinking you talking. No, I, I say young woman. I say young okay. woman. I, well, you know, if I, for some reason I got the idea, you're talking about a teenager. I'm like, okay, this is a grown ass woman who should know better. Uh, definitely, 22 years old. Yeah, 22 years old. 22 years old, I kid. Mm-hmm. Nah, that ain't surprising hearing that come out of her mouth. Yeah, and national youth poet laureate. Yeah, that has a poetry book out, The One for Whom Food Is Not Enough, in 2015. But, uh, you know, that poem was definitely, uh, you know, fit for that uh, that U.S. imperialist stage, you know? You know? How, how can a black feminist poem work well on a white imperialist stage? That's something that, you know, we interrogated on this podcast before and that, you know, we'll continue to interrogate. But let's uh, not even waste no time trying to go, you know, we can go through the transcript, but I, I invite nah, you to do it yourself. Yeah. Do it yourself, you know what I'm saying? That's too much right there for me. Yeah, yeah, you we're going to keep it moving. No but, more uh, assimilation. No more assimilation. At all. <laughs> at all. So I keep, let, let's return to uh, Biden and Kamala and some of their first actions, executive orders, or what they're trying to do, you know, uh, coming out the gate. Well, you know, it's, they did about 14 of them. I'm not going to go through all 14. We just go jump on a couple of them and um you know that stood out to us as we went over them mm-hmm. you know uh they called for a pause on student loan payments so you know what i'm saying i think that's supposed to uh when, i didn't get a time on that but i know they're going to pause on the payment the student loan payments that's due 
pretty yeah. soon. I think until September. To September? Yeah, at least until September. Okay, then. That's what, I think that's when the how long the pause lasts. Uh, they're going to revoke the Keystone Pipeline permits. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a good thing right there. I can dig that. And oh, that's yeah. also infringing on indigenous land, too. But And that's also, uh, you know, him revoking its permits is also infringing on uh, that money for Canada. You know, the, yeah. The pipeline was coming from Canada. Mm-hmm. So uh, Trudeau, I think that's the uh, prime minister, emperor, president. I don't give a fuck what Canada, mm-hmm. you know, called it. Uh, you know, Trudeau. British Empire in the West. You know, that, but Trudeau and Biden had, you know, that was one of the yeah. uh, Biden's first calls was with Trudeau. And I know that was one of the things they talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but whatever. I, I, yeah, of course, it's good for the indigenous folk. In, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Could, I know they was protesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Paris Climate Agreement, he's getting back with that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You know, Trump jumped him up, jumped, you know, took the United States out of that. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, real quick on that, as we know. That's Paris, already in some crumbles. Paris Climate Agreement, don't go far enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't go far enough. So, I mean, don't don't let that be uh, a moment to pat ourselves on the back as a, as a country. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, of course, you know, g- give me a little slack for mm-hmm. saying our country in this instance, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, we got a lot of work to do as a, as a society. You know, yeah. correct, correcting what you know these imperialists, these capitalists have done. Yeah. So, Paris Climate Agreement is one thing. We got work. You know, that's, that's really nothing else. Just paper shit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got the DOJ appointing ethics pledge, which is pretty like you know, um, pretty much. Um, how, you know, when Trump was putting people in, he was putting them in, you know, with his personal interests in mind and things like that. So it's like a pledge that they got to pass and a little, it's also a standard that they got to pass, you know, to um nah. to, to get in those uh, positions and seats and shit. We, in other words, nobody getting in on those special favors no more, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think that in the, the whole, a certain, a certain level of ethics while they're in the office, because I think what Biden can't do is, you know, unappoint the federal appointees of Trump. Yeah. And we have to remember, it's not just the Supreme Court justices that Trump appointed and got through. It's also dozens, if not over 100, federal court judge appointees mm-hmm. in that system. And as we know, you know, that is going to harm, you know, civil, any type of, you know, quote unquote, civil rights or human rights cases, you know, or cases surrounding protest movements going forward. That, you know, rise above the city or state, you know, and face the federal court system in any type of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is coming down to the appointees that Trump put in office. Yeah. You know, so that is something to, to think about. So this ethics pledge uh, that Biden is putting in, off, putting in place for this group is going to be a point of contention. Uh, both in how the left defines it. Mm-hmm. And how, uh, of course, the right defines it as yeah, they know, just try to define. I think it. the right and the left will use it to their advantage if they can. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure a future episode as it comes up, we'll maybe take a closer look at it. Yeah, I already know. Uh, they got a 100 ma- 100 day mask requirement for um for um White House and government um facilities, mm-hmm. um Senate and all of those different things. Uh, COVID nineteen response coordinators. Um, World Health Organization that we're joining that. Yeah, all that stuff health related, I, I don't know if it really corrects the problem we're in with the coronavirus as yeah. far as, you know, have, you know. It hit us in a whole different way. Exactly. You know, and, you know, being the country that we are, being the country that this is, let me correct myself, you know, and being faced like, and hit, hit with it like that, it's really not surprising. But of course, it looks ironic on the world stage. Yeah. But, I don't, I don't know if anything Biden talking about is going to fix it. And I don't think the vaccination is going to fix it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I want to know what, how everybody's going to get their second dose. Everybody yeah. rushing out to get their first dose of the vaccine. <laughs> the second dose ain't going to, the second dose going to cost you. Well, you I, that's what I'm saying. Like, ho- hopefully people are able to get their second dose. And, you know, the second dose is that doozy. You know what I'm saying? It's not the first dose that hits you hard. It's that second dose that hits you hard. Mm. So, uh, you know. Stay safe, everybody getting the vaccine. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, sure we'll save that for a future episode. Yeah, because I, I don't know about that vaccine. I got to see what that happened to other people. You finna have me zombied up around here. <laughs> Eating on people and stuff. And then uh, he also, back to the, back to, yeah, for real. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm looking too much sci-fi key to be playing games in these streets. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, put away people that do get the vaccine because my, you know, no, I ain't gonna fam- knock nobody don't do it because yeah. I, I got family members who gonna get the vaccine. Yeah, getting it already, you know. You know. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I'm it, just it. scared though. I, I know me. <laughs> I know me. No, me too. Me too. Yeah. I, you know, and, and plus, and let's remember some stuff about the vaccine. Let's clear up some misconceptions. One, you know, the first dose only raises your supposed or theoretical immunity yeah. to around 60%. Mm-hmm. And the second dose get, is what gets it above 90. Okay, then. And that immunity only lasts for one year. Uh, so another year from now, you have to get another COVID vaccine. You know what I'm saying? So keep that in mind. Uh, also for people thinking about it and thinking about how to structure their lives. And, you know, um, yeah, we, we have a lot to think about. And vaccines do not solve pandemics like this. No. They don't, you know, um, and it, it really, you know, I really see vaccines as somewhat of a capitalist response, a hyper capitalist response, especially when you lead with that, when you try to rush on that instead of, you know, doing more systemic uh, solutions. You know, what I'm saying that we've seen in other countries that have worked that involve, you know, more risk or more uh, decline in the, I guess, the pockets of the rich motherfuckers. But look what's happened during the pandemic in the West and in and, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. Have the the billionaires, there's, there's been the new billionaires created. Yeah. That billionaire class have gained in wealth during the pandemic. Then double stacked. You know what I'm saying? They they, they, they improving hand over foot. So, uh, of course, how we went about it was the capitalist response. And these vaccines, these pharmaceutical country, uh, companies, they gonna make hand over foot, you know what I'm saying, with these vaccines, and um, hopefully they work. Anytime you can make something, demand for something, you can always exploit its cost and its use. Oh, and we see the demand. You know, um, that's how the system works over here. You know that, me, I know that, and I think all everybody else too, who listening to this know that. Sometimes we just act like we don't. Now, now, with that being said, vaccines, of course, work. We ain't seen measles or some other diseases, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Smallpox re- and shit. For a reason, because vaccines do work. And mm-hmm. plus, we know our people was vaccinating ourselves, you know what I'm saying? Where do you Hundreds think that, of years ago. Where do you think that technology came from? We exactly. was we, we was poking the, uh, the uh, disease places of uh, people. And mm-hmm. then, you know, taking that and transferring to the people to, to form immunity. That that was an African technology. Yeah. You know. Most uh, definitely. So, uh, you know, look up look up that history if you know if you doubt it at all. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, last thing on the list, real quick. Extend moratoriums in ev- on evictions. And, uh, and um, yeah, until at least uh, March 31st, it looks like. That's definitely needed in these streets. Because people getting put out and it's cold. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't think the moratorium is saving everybody either. It really ain't. It really ain't because uh, I don't know how that's going to affect um, private homeowners, private uh, or people who are living in homes privately owned by an individual, mm-hmm. and what it's going to be. Uh, you know, is it going to be a package for them? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, okay, Aki, so let, let's keep it moving a little bit. Hey, um, thinking about buying Kamala, of course, they getting started with their first term. We're going to see how long Biden lasts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but let, let's talk about some expectations and predictions. You know what I'm saying? Let's go and get on record a little bit and talk about some of this. So, uh, let's start with major legislation. You know what I'm saying? We think about Obama with, uh, a, you know, uh, health care reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think about some of the backwards stuff that Trump tried to do. He didn't really get a lot of major legislation passed, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a lot of stuff maybe taken down, but you know, I don't know how long lasting that, that effect will be. We yeah. see already see how Biden is moving to reverse a lot of what Trump did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are some expectations or you know predictions you have for major legislation uh, during Biden's ten years president? U.S. president. I don't really have no expectations for him. I mean, I, I mean, not 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 expectations as far as something he'll fulfill for you. But mm-hmm. what I mean, just what do you expect to occur? You know what I'm saying? Um, I expect um, I expect him to use. I mean, and I can't even say that now. I, I got to take that back because you know, 
it's no guarantee that you know um he hasn't seen the really cow toe to all of that uh stuff he was doing to get into the election mm-hmm. to get to to get to the presidency mm-hmm. um the type of um the type of rhetoric he was putting to the black community and black women he ain't talking all that shit right now so you know you might get four years of of being ignored mm-hmm. um I personally think He's that for like a black african american like something for african american yeah I think that black you know agenda. Um, far as just for the country, it's gonna go status quo. Um, he's gonna, you know, um, if you want to take it to just general country level, you know, gonna go more into debt. Um, I I don't see him passing any like real leftist policy, you know. So as far as like free health care or like erasing student debt, nah, probably not. I, I don't think that Biden is the president that can be pushed like that. I don't think Kamala really is either. That that mm-hmm. wasn't really their agenda. What they was about. They've always been people that walked away from that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my expect. I, maybe I see some major legislation to preserve Obamacare and maybe improve it in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it all depends on what mandate, I guess, Biden and his, I guess, regime feel. Yeah. And what uh, people can muster up to, you know, mm-hmm. demand. Yeah. But um, it, it does seem like healthcare is going to be some part of it. I mean COVID is gonna have to have some healthcare response. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that seeks to address the industry and how it's been exposed in some way. Um at least that's that's the expectation I have. I'm not saying my expectation is that it's gonna be liberatory or like uh transform like truly mm-hmm. transformative. But I think it it'll be addressing legislation somehow. Um yeah, but as far as predictions, yeah. I, I, I find lukewarm neoliberal solutions that might look good on paper or uh, in marketing wise, yeah. But I'm not gonna, of course, in any way, shape, or form, solve or really hold back the tide of you know late stage capitalism. All the ills is bringing. I mean, you know, the, the way it's gonna affect it's, it's gonna affect black folks. Um, you got sidetracked, you know, during this election, first election we ever had. A presidential election that we had where we actually pushed the needle and, and we had them conversating about reparations and now that um where did that where did that go uh, that went that got lost in, in the sauce and other conversations and distractions hmm. um that threw us off and you know um it cat you know we were forced to accept candidates that were Rejected reparations outright. Outright, you know, and, and and rejected any specific plan. I think for black people outright, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, what's good for the goose be good for the guy. I, I you know how I go, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So you know, um, we so, definitely got caught. You know, got caught up. You know, we should have pushed that. Any thoughts on any possible third? parties you know what i'm saying like uh, a four parties coming in the next four years i mean trump seems serious about trying you know what i'm saying and, and i'm not i'm not saying he's serious because he finds it politically you know potentially successful mm-hmm. uh in terms of winning a presidency or winning many places you know what yeah. i'm saying but it could be financially successful if oh. he's ahead of a party and he got bills to pay mm-hmm. and he can get donations uh, I can see him trying to. I can see him using that, you know, and that that would disturb the Republican Party. Yeah, I think that would also keep the probably keep the Democrats in the center. They just collect the scraps of the, a destroyed Republican Party. Yeah, would that open the door for you know what I'm saying? And that's a big if. I mean, Trump doing that is that's barring the idea of uh, you know Republic. I mean, because um, his impeachment is still going forward. And I can see him pull, trying to pull that move, though. Now, now, that's one thing Republican senators in trying to preserve their party and not have mm-hmm. this right-wing third party arise. They ain't trying to have another Tea Party. Exactly. Like an official party. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not just a, a fringe group that grows into a, a, a substantial you know, force, mm-hmm. but a, a legitimate party funded by billionaires, potentially, with yeah. Trump and them. Um, you know what I'm saying? That's a different threat. And I think that, you know, because it's going to, his impeachment trial mm-hmm. is going to come down to Senate votes. 
of mm-hmm. Republican senators. So but, uh, Trump is playing a dangerous game, you know what I'm saying? And he knows that his life and his freedom is likely on the line. You know, the Democrats having power. Mm. Uh, imagine what that's going to look like for them in the next election cycles if they can put the book on this nigga. Hey, I know they do want to put the book on this nigga. Oh, no, let me take that back. He ain't a nigga, he's a cracker. Right. My um, bad. My apologies. Audience. Um, yeah, getting me caught up in your speech. Uh, nah, but, uh, you know, with, with that in mind, yeah, Trump has the potential to do a MAGA party, but I'm also thinking that black people, if they get their shit together, could potentially do something. Or I should say this, I don't know if we will be, become an independent party, but I think that... We, 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 it is a potential there for us to either join a new party, maybe like the Green Party or something like that. But I think that, you know, looking at us in these next four years, that's a conversation we may need to have. Mm. You know, may not form, but we should be having it. You know, it wouldn't surprise me that Trump would kind of come out and do some MAGA shit on some party. It would, that wouldn't surprise me. He arrogant enough and his ego is strong enough to do it. I just got, I just asked the audience this. If not now, then when? I mean, a third party on the left that has leaders, you know, leadership, you know, that represents, you know, revolutionary black interests. You know what I'm saying? That accepts that. It's something we gotta build, you know what I'm saying? So I mean, it's and, gonna, I think it's always gonna be something towards the center. What do you mean, the third party? Yeah, because like, um, well, the Democrats know, take up the center. You know what I'm saying? So how how is the third party gonna be in the center? That's why my question. Well, if we go if we go left, we also got to deal with the contingency and some of the tendencies that the left have that throw off the core in the black community. I think we got to slice through them, you know what I'm saying, and put, yeah. on, put on some blinders, you know what I'm saying, as because far as, far be... as how, how some of those conversations go, yeah. and, so, you know, how, because, I, mean, I mean, we want black socialism, and I think whatever leadership of a revolutionary political party has to be, you know, represent that, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, as far as, like, it comes from, the, and I, Green Party or something like that, I don't know. I don't know how we get there. You yeah, know what I'm I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that because the Green Party, because they got some problematic things. Nah, nah I, I, I put the Green Party to the side. You know, I think the People's Party that was, you know, being discussed, uh, you know, last year, and we talked about mm-hmm. that a little bit. I think yeah. Nina Turner is involved with that. It's mother mm-hmm. folk on the left. Um, now that I mean, don't get me wrong, that that would be a more logical sense, um, but. I, it really see. I think it really got to be something that arises out of a legitimate black leftist revolutionary nationalist movement. You know what I'm saying? Like the leadership arises out of that, and then you know these other groups have to reckon with it mm. and and form a coalition on almost equal terms. Then for a political party, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like I don't I don't think um, such a revolutionary political party third party on the left because i mean it we're not talking about the creation of uh, a leftist a third party uh a third party on the left that's not revolutionary i mean why even talk about it and mm. we got the green party for that we got other niggas that just run around here doing stupid shit for that mm. you know what i'm saying we're talking about a, like how does a truly revolutionary political party that you know could make some gains in this mm-hmm. country of course it's that, that we're talking about a revolutionary moment now you know what i'm saying and that only comes about from a strong black nationalist foundation, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, revolutionary nationalist foundation from an organization that, you know, forces the rest of the left to reckon on equal terms with, you know, a united black mass that's calling for self-determination and seeking allies, you know what I'm saying, but not on y'all terms, y'all li- liberal terms or white progressive terms, but on our terms. That's, that's the thing, man. Then you're talking another 10 years. Oh, yeah, easily, easily, easily. here go. If the black party has to be formed on revolutionary nationalist lines, then you're literally going to have to spend 10 years galvanizing the people towards it. 
and that, that's what we're missing out on now. You know, I think we're too stuck trying to win over theoretical battles within the left. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This leftist sphere. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to win over the hearts and minds of our people and commit them back to struggle, back to self-determination, which will help incubate the type of political education that leads them to, you know, more yeah. the, the revolutionary nationalist ideology that we hold. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That is on the left, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, of course, when we talk about left and right, some of these terms do not, you know, correlate or translate all the time. All, all because the that's, the, that's, the, I keep real, that's the aspect right there that turns off the hood. You know what I'm saying? They hear left, they hear right. Like, what the fuck is that? And I, I think in many ways those terms are inadequate. You know what I'm saying? I think they they, they can help us describe some things and some dynamics, mm-hmm. but they can't describe everything. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like some people, you know, we can't use them to over-determine or over, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, use them in our analysis because mm-hmm. they don't describe all the dynamics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't feel closer to a white person supposedly mm-hmm. claiming to be a leftist yeah. than I feel to with uh, a black nationalist who practices, uh, you know, capitalism in some way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I would still feel this black uh, nationalist, you know what I'm saying? They switch can be turned quicker to revolutionary pan-Africanism mm-hmm. than this white person. And maybe all they need is that consciousness switch. Yeah. While this white person is so deep in their entrenched white supremacist beliefs, they're never will side with black self-determination and you know the cultural autonomy of black people Mm. you know i'm saying then we can get into amakar cabral and all that you know i'm saying the cultural oppression you know Mm. i'm saying uh and how that has a you know you know we'll stop there on on that um but yeah yeah i mean you know that that'd be yeah that about that'd be about the only thing I would think I mean we were so close to having a real conversation about it and I think what we need to do in this four years is really dig into that reparations argument and see it's a difference when you only been talking about it for a year. Let's galvanize our people culturally around reparations mm-hmm. and, and let's galvanize our people culturally around what does it mean to have a political identity that mm-hmm. requires reparations. And how does that figure into our wider politics? Like, we we have to galvanize and organize our people in the next four years. Yeah. Before we can yeah. think about anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and who, who's, whoever the president is four years after this is not a more important question than how we reach the hearts and minds of our people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not about, it, it's not just about winning an intellectual theoretical battle yeah. with the left. Or with uh, intellectual, you know, thought leaders. Mm-hmm. Our people are hungry and looking for a program that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, that's part of our job, you know. Hopefully, you know, we can, you know, take part in, in some of that debate and some of that uh, public stage and what happens on the black public stage, you know. Because mm-hmm. that's where it got to happen at, this debate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's where these ideas come together where people can, you know, come to understand different sides and see where they fall and see the intellectual worth of different, you know, opinions or intellectual yeah. uh yeah. positions. You know what I'm saying? So uh you know, all, all that is coming, you know what I'm saying? And that's what we need in the next four years. We need more debates. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We need more more political education. We need more of these liberal ideas challenge just like we need even black capitalism challenged you know what I'm saying like you know we need to win over in the next four years some black capitalists as well Mm -hmm. it's not just you know winning over you know black people on the left uh, you know towards you know this variant of Marxism or that variant Mm -hmm. of uh, new African uh, nationalism Uh, you know what I'm saying Uh, those are some some of those are important questions you know what I'm saying but the hearts and minds of the masses of our people that are, you know, are not privy to some of these conversations. Yeah. Or don't have no organized, prog- programmatic way to approach it and, you know, find worth in it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's what we got to work on. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, it's all the process. Mm-hmm. Um, we need we need dip in that thing right now. You know what I'm saying? So we just got to keep on trudging through it. I mean, I'll tell you this right here. Niggas get tired of walking. Hmm. 
And so, you know, this is something that the left or whoever is going to have to do. They're going to have to start producing. These next four years got to be a time of producing. Um, okay. Talking. Yeah, we didn't have a solid agenda. We didn't think about a solid agenda when we came into this presidency. Mm-hmm. Now we got four years for the next one. Yeah. See, and some of, maybe we got to dislodge from some of that. Like, our agenda is is more urgent or it's not on a four-year timeline. Yeah. It's not on that timeline. Yeah. I mean, when I say that, meaning that I say, when I say timeline, I mean like this. It doesn't have to be into effect, but we need to be on it. We We can't have this next cycle come about and we do the same thing unchallenged. Yeah. So, no, in that te- in that sense, yeah. What how we feel and you know, niggas that feel like us, we do got four years kinda to show and prove and do and lead the way for our people towards a different set of beliefs and actions, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That uh Well see that's the thing. Beliefs ain't gonna change in four years. You can't change beliefs for four years. Mm-hmm. But you the only thing that's gonna change the beliefs is their conditions. But you can challenge beliefs. Yeah. You you can challenge beliefs within four yeah. years. And you can spark the, you can spark, you know what I'm saying? And that's where the production is gonna add yeah. up at. Because see, I hate to say it, that's the biggest thing that's always challenged the left. We're going against black capitalists. Mm. Black capitalists can produce. Mm-hmm. The the black left has never produced. Now some of it has been because they've never been allowed to do something long enough. And, and and not be uh, co-entail probed, you know what I'm saying, to show its fruit. So, like, we see the Black Panthers doing all these things. We see all these other black organizations doing things. We're doing things before all of this shit came about. And it's all in the United States has always been an issue with that. You know, we, you know. The black, uh, we're not financing ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we seek white financing often. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and, that's, and that's a part of capitalism. And, it, and it's hard for us to, you know, uh, we we've had a lot of growing pains, you know, mm-hmm. getting this technology to work with revolutionary black national new African, you know, ideology mm-hmm. in such a way that uh, you know, it can begin to fund our work in a way that newspapers and stuff mm-hmm. before fund like the mystery funded Martin Delaney's work early yeah. on. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, Martin Delaney had his own medical practice, mm-hmm. which helped him finance his own abolitionist activities. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we do have to be concerned about, um, you know, the movement in the next four years. It, it can't just be, you know, every black capitalist endeavor on yeah. the surface yeah, exactly. is evil. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the wrong approach. It has mm-hmm. to, we have to have a more nuanced approach to it. And I think black capitalists, if approached with something programmatic, you know what I'm saying, that makes sense accessible in our culture, yeah. and even if it's revolutionary nationalist, yeah. black capitalists can be attracted to it much quicker than, you know, a white liberal or somebody. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you know so, what I'm saying? So that, that's the, work that I, I challenge us to do. Yeah, uh, uh, just because a person's a capitalist don't mean he's not a nationalist. Yeah. He's, and, not, he's not necessarily a revolutionary nationalist. And and oftentimes people that think they're capitalists just refer to themselves as that, and they're really just entre- entrepreneurs that are operating just like we are in a capitalist market. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how, really, how much different is how you buy into capitalism, you know what I'm saying, if you are, uh, you know, a, a, a tradesperson, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Like, uh, say, Martin Delaney, he was yeah. a medical tradesperson, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, versus a worker. Like, uh, you know, I, I think there is some shallow shallowness to the black capitalist critique that oh, that, yeah. that that really stimmies oh, yeah. some involvement and 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 really uh uh that stimmies uh, or holds back a lot of these black bougie folk from really getting into the black community yeah and and and, and you know working with black businesses you, you know what i'm saying it, well, how can you do it's hard to do work in the black community if you don't do work with black businesses they confuse black bourgeoisie with black capitalists that's what often happens um a capitalist could be just a dude that opens up a business and is competitive and wants to succeed and he's in a capitalist system and he's using the capitalist system to get there he may not even be aware of it 
But he's just in it. He's just working. He can be the dude that owned the barbershop, the guy that owned the restaurant. He can be the George Jefferson who owned a, uh, a bunch of laundromats and then moved his way on up to the east side of New York. He could be that guy. You know, not necessarily capitalist in um, consciousness, but he is going to be a little capitalist in action because he's American. And often those, you know, I, I won't say often, you know, but it's my belief, you know what I'm saying, and I could be challenged on this, that some of those black folk in that are that in positions, entrepreneurs that are in positions like you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, they are open and often do participate and mm-hmm. aid in the community. There you go. You know what I'm saying? And uh, not, ju- just, just like the Black Panthers, and we mentioned this often on the podcast, mm-hmm. in Oakland, approach black businesses to uh, contribute yep. to a community fund for revolutionary programs, revolutionary black institutions. Mm-hmm. They got black business after black business after black business yep. in Oakland. You know what I'm saying? While that program was running to agree to contribute uh, you know, upwards of five, ten percent of their funds mm-hmm. to a community fund that that helped Black Panther programs, yeah. Black Panther School. So, uh, you know, are we acting like we can't replicate that, or are we too good theoretically now to replicate that? Well, I'm gonna tell you why we can't do. Or that. Do, should we just go to white philanthropists and where they got their money from is fine? There you go. That's the catch. I tell you why it's too good because you can go get nonprofit money, hmm. and you ain't got to do the work. Hmm. So. White philanthropist money is better than the so-called money, uh, the money of a so-called black capitalist. In some minds, and some people, it is. You know, uh, I, I think where you get your money from says a lot. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's not just black capitalists we're thinking about getting money from, but you know, we also know how our community sees the business owners in their community as products of their community, mm-hmm. and how they and and. and I think black business owners need to, a program put forth to them that they need to be pressed and, you know, damn near coerced if it's a righteous program Yeah. into, you know, submitting their business and its practices into for the betterment of the community. Well, I mean, you know, no, see, we got, we do the Panthers didn't take it a step further, yeah. what I'm saying. And you got to remember, too, the Panthers were living in a time and community where every corner store in their hood made to be owned by a brother. Mm-hmm. We live in a time and every, every, most of the corner stores in our hood and are owned by somebody who's not of our culture mm-hmm. and don't look like us. It is a different prospects out there. So. You know, so it's, and, and that's a lot of our hoods, not all our hoods, mm-hmm. but that's a lot of our hoods, especially in the inner cities. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, that's another aspect. They still got to be forced too. You just ain't going to be a, you just not going to be um, a one, you, you, you in, you, like, no. Mm-hmm. That's not tolerated from them either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Back on subject, you know, um, that's going to be the task of this this coming out. A lot of shit going to have to be hashed out these four years. Like I said, we had a good conversation going, you know, when we were talking about reparations. We had a good conversation going and a black agenda. To about 2019, 2020. Yeah, we was talking good about it as far as, far as, as it, we were saying uh, black agenda and reparations come up. I don't think the conversation needs to change. I just think that, okay, now we got four years. I think, you know. That's work on it at least. What you what you really saw is, and, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, the black funded, black agendas, you know what I'm saying? Say that the ADOS, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, problems considered. Yeah. And that maybe Ice Cube put forward. Yeah. That, you know, didn't rely on white money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The black mm-hmm. left, especially in the academy, with the political sphere, and within mm-hmm. the media, they despise those efforts. Yeah, they overlooked every single problem with the white-funded Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Ineffectual program put forward with the first national convenience since 1969 that we had to flame up. Yeah, uh, you know, an episode last year. Mm. So you know, you really see it. You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, I hate that you know so many of us are so unwilling to deal with the problems of our community, but are willing to take on the problems of white America to you know better fit in. Mm. So you know with that Aki, I think you know this episode got a bow on it. Mm. You know we're about an hour, three four minutes in, something like that. So uh, I think we good Aki, you good? I think I'm good. 
Alright, so next episode, uh, I know we're going to watch uh, the new uh, film, uh, American Skin. Yeah. Together. And uh, we're going to have a review for y'all, episode 24, so look out for that. And uh, yeah, hopefully have some visuals ready for y'all uh, next episode too. Possibly. Yeah, so look out for uh, for that, y'all. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Free to land. Free to land.